the Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Welcome to the Long Story Short, the weekly podcast on Burn Media. I'm Liz Calloway. If you're enjoying the Long Story Short, be sure to like it and share it with your friends. We all need to work together to save America. And now on with the show. It's Long Story Short with Liz Calloway. We have talked about Seth Rich uh, many times. His name has come up many times, but it was five years ago, back in 2016, Seth Rich was found shot to death in a safe neighborhood in Washington, D.C., and he worked for the DNC. I remember um, hearing interviews with his parents and, and pleading for anybody to come forward, and there had been no leads, no witnesses, and it all seemed very suspicious because he was uh, killed seemingly for no reason. They called it a botched robbery since all of his belongings and wallet was left on him, on his person still. Um, and what has come of that story five years later? Well, I was reading American Thinker. Uh, as you know, I love that website, AmericanThinker.com. And I saw this article from former District uh, uh, D.C. Attorney Clarice Feldman. She wrote the article the other day uh, that's titled, What's Behind the Seth Rich Cover-Up? And she's joining us live on the air right now. Good morning, Clarice. Good morning, Liz. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Now, the one thing that struck me immediately about your article was the title. You uh, automatically called it a cover-up. Well, here's the story, okay? He was murdered on July 10th, 2016. Six days after the murder, WikiLeaks published 19,000 emails with 8,000 attachments from the DNC file. In November of that year, they published 8,000 more. Those emails showed that party officials favored Clinton over rival Bernie Sanders. It was widely reported that um, Seth Rich was a a Bernie Sanders supporter. So Mm. the suspicion was that somehow he was involved. Um, Julian Assange, who was the founder of WikiLeaks, um, refuses to uh, uh, name his sources, but he has hinted on Death TV that it was Seth Rich. But he has adamantly denied that he got this from Russia. So this draws into question whether or not the DNC files were actually hacked. Uh, experts who deal regularly with um, Internet-type things, um, said all along that the transmission record of this stuff was too fast. It has been the result of a hack, and that it was not an intrusion, but somebody inside the DNC with access to the computers had, had downloaded them and somehow transmitted them. Now, Robert Mueller uh, played along with the with the hack idea, uh, and and uh, indicted eleven Russian intelligence uh, in, uh, officials. Well, of course, they're not going to show up in D.C. to defend it. So you only have the allegations there and no proof, and that's very similar to what he did. Um, uh, on other aspects of the Russian collusion thing. 
if you remember, there was a time when he indicted, uh, I think it was 12 Russian firms and, and individuals for attempting to influence the election. But uh, he, he obviously assumed they wouldn't come in to defend against the charge. But one of those companies did. And very quickly afterwards, uh, Mueller dismissed the case against them. So this is just, uh, you know, it's paper hanging. They're just uh, playing games there. Anyway, in March of 2018, about two years after the murder, a source, which is described in FBI papers as a, a law enforcement official, gave the FBI the information and material that they extracted um, from Seth Rich's computer. Um, and, but the FBI kept, and it's it logged in properly, it wasn't you know, misplaced or anything, and the FBI kept denying that they had the computer or anything in it. Um, in, in 2020, um, however, they finally backtracked and admitted that they did have it. So uh, a private citizen, Brian Huddleston, has filed a Freedom of Information Act case trying to get access um, to the uh, material that was extracted from Seth Rich's computer. And, uh, and then what happened was um, uh, just this September, September 29th, a U.S. district judge in Texas, where the plaintiff was almost um, Mazan, ordered the Bureau to turn this over in 14 days. Um, he said that their um, explanation for why they, they didn't do it didn't hold water. They were saying, well, there was a privacy interest that the family had in this material, and the judge uh, rejected that saying that the cases the FBI had cited um, dealt with things like autopsy reports or uh, uh, death scene pictures and stuff. It didn't, it didn't involve stuff like this. So now the FBI has come back and said, well, we have to go through and redact personal information that's not relevant to this matter. And it's going to take us about uh, 66, 67 years <laughs> before we turn it all over. And uh, um, the uh, lawyer for Huddleston um, says, well, uh, that's just ridiculous that, that they've been lying all along. And, um, and it doesn't take that long to do this. So why are they desperately trying to hide the records? Well, this is this is um, very interesting. My my theory is that they're trying to protect not only you, but the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Clapper's uh, reputation when he was officer uh, when he was the director of national intelligence, um, because Mueller claimed that it was hacked. And these people all went along with it. Said, "Yeah, but definitely have." But if you remember, the DNC hired an office called CrowdStrike, which uh, was to protect was to protect the um, uh, security of their 
computer system. And and CrowdStrike said that they had sensors on the on those computers beginning in May first of of twenty sixteen. But Mueller claimed that um this material was hacked between May twenty fifth and June first of twenty sixteen. And CrowdStrike said that's impossible. Our sensors uh, indicate there was no intrusion whatsoever. So again, it looks like this was an inside job. And uh, whether or not it was uh, Seth Rich, the claim that this was a Russian hack is, is just absurd. There's no evidence whatsoever for it. And everything to believe this was not an outside intrusion into the computer system. But somebody inside with access to that computer um, downloaded it and transmitted it to, to WikiLeaks. So, Clarice, and we're speaking with Clarice Feldman. She is a former D.C. attorney and writer, and she she writes for the publication AmericanThinker.com and wrote this article. Clarice, I I just have to ask some questions just to backtrack a little. First of all, I was just wondering, Mm -hmm. why is the FBI involved in a murder of a young man in D.C.? Well, the, the, the D.C. is a very unusual situation. Um, the federal government has uh, certain police powers over here, and um, it may be that. But the FBI said they had nothing, uh, no role to play whatsoever in the investigation of Seth Rich's so- murder, that this was completely uh, handled by the local police. So why do they have the computer... You know the the, the computer. Somebody talking. gave it to them. Somebody, somebody in 2018, which their records indicate was someone in law enforcement, but is not identified. And part of their hmm. thing is why they don't want to turn it over is uh, you know how they use methods and sources, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to protect the person who brought it to them. Uh, but you know, I I think it's just weak. I, I, mm-hmm. I just don't think this is, this so, is not like it. This is, you know, you know, when you have somebody overseas who's who's feeding you security information, um, you can understand you want to protect that source. Mm-hmm. So if it's local law enforcement who got it and turned it over to you, I can't see that there's such a big need to protect his, his uh, mm-hmm. identity. So the way I understand it and the way you're explaining it is that there's some motive to covering up the contents of this computer because it might reveal that the Russians had nothing to do with the hacking. Therefore, the Russia, Russia, Russia story exactly. is is false. And we already know it's false. So what damage, what further damage could, could it cause? Well, you know, just their reputations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reputation's in tatters already. And I, you know, every day there's something else that comes up that shows how, how corrupt it's become. But, but, but this would be like just icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. They've they yeah. on for years and years and years claiming this person and that group and, you know, and all these people were interfering with the election and dealing stuff from the DNC computers and from Hillary's computers and all that kind of stuff. It's just nonsense. Somebody inside 
clearly uh, wanted this information out. And again, I say, if it wasn't Seth Rich, um, it still was somebody inside, and and their narrative falls apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know that's the crux of, of the fallout that Tulsi Gabbard had with Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, and she was saying, you know, you're not giving Bernie Sanders a fair shake. And a lot of people in the Democratic Party, especially young people, felt that way. And that, you know, Hillary was just being crowned the president. Um, and so um, and we all know what happened with Tulsi Gabbard after that. But I need to ask you, because the parents seem to be pushing back a lot on this narrative that there's well, some sort of cover up. I, I think there may be some. I, I, I don't know why they are. It may be that there is some, you know, private stuff on on uh, on his computer that the family would not want revealed. Maybe because they think it would reflect badly on Seth Rich, uh, but that's going to be redacted anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anything private, you know, that has nothing to do with this case. That 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 would be it. What, what they would be looking for is evidence that he was unhappy with um, uh, what the DNC was doing, any any correspondence with anybody connected with Wikipedia, uh, any in- indication, you know, that he had uh, uh, taken stuff out on a thumb drive and was going to release it. And those are the important things. Nobody cares who his girlfriend was or right. his boyfriend was or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what has become of Julian Assange now? I, I've completely lost track of that story. Well, it's just going on and on and on. If you remember, first Sweden had a case against him, and then they finally dropped it. Uh, U.S. was uh, trying to get him extradited. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.K. Uh, uh, blocked the ex- uh, no, went ahead with the extradition, and now he's appealing it. Um, so, um, you know, uh, I don't know if they if they ever get him extradited, whether or not he would reveal the source, because actually. Wikipedia depends on 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 information from sources whose identity they've promised to um, uh, uh, keep secret. So I I don't know, but anyway, he's not here, and mm-hmm. they can't get him under oath, and he's not saying where he got it from. Okay. Except as I said, he did hint uh, on Death TV uh, that that Rich was his source. Now. Um, I, and he he contributed another, to the reward. Yeah. He contributed to the reward for any information that would lead to the arrest of anybody that uh, you know, someone who well, yes, killed that's, Seth. that's right. But mm-hmm. you know, I have the feeling he doesn't really trust these people. Now, um, I, if your readers are, not, are unfamiliar with how I work or how uh, uh, American thinker works, I have links in my article, which was last Sunday, if you go to American Thinker and you go to Sunday's thing, it's right up there. I, I have links to the to the, the court order and, um, you know, all the relevant information, you know, the sources for everything. Mm-hmm. It's one of the advantages you have when you write online. 
uh, as opposed to, say, a newspaper or a radio show or something, is I put all the original sources that I have right in there, links to them. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can uh, like people to, you know, look at them and, and, and see if um, there's something I missed or if I've misrepresented it somehow inadvertently. And I, I really like writing online for that reason. Uh, it's not just stuff I pull out of the air, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. Anyway, absolutely, it. Clarice. I just have to ask you, what do you, where do you think this is going to go? This, uh, you know, with the, all this documentation. I don't know. It's before the judge right now, I haven't heard anything more, but I don't think he's going to accept this sixty-six or sixty-seven years to mm-hmm. produce this stuff. Yeah, uh, he doesn't seem very sympathetic to the FBI thing. And if I were a judge each day, would I see more and more of the FBI's uh, wrongdoing? I'd be less and less inclined to give them credibility. We're speaking with Clarice Feldman. She is a former D.C. attorney and writer. She writes for the publication AmericanThinker.com and wrote this article. Even if you look at the story regarding the attack on Paul Pelosi, people are not believing what they're hearing from the local police department and the FBI on that. Yeah, uh, it's there's too much in there that doesn't make any sense, okay? Hmm. For example, okay, if you're in the bathroom and the guy's outside and he's threatening, why would you come out of the bathroom? Why I've been saying that. You've already called 9-11. I've exactly then, said then, the same then, thing. Then, then, then the thing is, who opened the door? The first reports were, an unidentified person opened the door. The second one was, it was Paul Pelosi who opened the door. Okay, so you've got an intruder who's threatening you, and uh, and the police come to the door, and the door is open. Wouldn't you run out to get away from the guy and let the police stand the list? And then you look at the, you know, the security cameras all over the place, and, and uh, they refuse to release them. There's one picture we have of the exterior of the house shows the glass was broken from the outside, and it was open, and it was smashed, and the door, which is not the door, that swung wide open. And you couldn't even reach into the, the lock from the, from the window that was open. It looks more and more like the, the smashed window was done from the inside, and had nothing to do with with the entry of this guy into the house. There's too many questions, and the the police report is really muddled, and it's a different. It, 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 the story changes, you know, from from an unidentified person opened the door to Paul Pelosi opened the door, uh, and how could Paul Pelosi open the door? Because another report is. He had one hand on the hammer, mm-hmm. and his other arm was being uh, grasped by the intruder. Uh, so how could he? How could he open the door in that case? Right. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's very suspicious. The other thing is that there was Capitol Police who were already been assigned uh, to watch the house, and they reported nothing. You know, um, mm-hmm. today's. The latest variation of this is uh, uh, the Capitol Police guy who was monitoring the house 
uh, was asleep at the switch, you know, when when, uh, That's when right. there was uh, uh, an, an, an intrusion. Now, there's always some confusion and some some um, oh contradictions mm-hmm. in in original police reports yeah. of, of of this sort. But this is more than just one or two. Everything about it is mm-hmm. just uh, confusing and and contradictory. Absolutely. Uh, we are totally on the same page. I was wondering that myself. I said, if I had a phone and I was in a bathroom and the door was locked, I don't understand why he would come out. No idea. That doesn't make any sense. Just wait for the police to come. So um, very interesting. And thank you so much for your insight on that. We, we've been, um, you know, actually mentioning Seth Rich for quite some time. So it's interesting to have a follow up. And um, I'm looking up. I'm looking forward to your follow up on your follow up to see what the FBI ends up doing okay, and to I see what's on there. I will. Okay, excellent. Thank you, <laughs> Clarice. I will. Thank you, Liz. Thank, thank you. Go to AmericanThinker.com to see other articles. She's written numerous ones. Clarice Feldman. Thank you. The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Thank you for downloading Long Story Short. If you need to reach me, you can always email me at LizCallowayLLC at gmail.com. That's Calloway with all A's. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Liz Calloway.